0: in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians. Today we're going to do a little gleaning. You know what gleaning is? Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, whenever the harvesters went through the fields, they were actually commanded to leave some for other people to come back and pick in the corners and look around a little further and get some things. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, 1, We're talking to you today about the blessings of salvation. Paul is the writer, and he introduces himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Uh, Almost everybody that I know who has ever gone into the ministry said it wasn't their idea. Uh, They didn't uh, grow up thinking about going into the ministry. They grew up thinking about something else. The apostle Paul says, this apostleship that I have is of the will of God. And if you remember it was on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 that uh, the Lord the resurrected Christ appeared to Paul and called him into the ministry to go to the Gentiles. Uh, He writes to the saints uh, who are or the Christians who are in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And uh, and here is his uh, little introduction that he uses often Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That means blessings on you. Peace from God. Uh, He launches into blessing the Lord, uh, which is a wonderful thing, and we're going to be talking about that on our midweek service, Uh, how to do more in your prayer life than just ask God for things, but uh, instead give God the things that he really desires from you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he hath made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. These are the extra benefits we have in Christ, wisdom and insight. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and that which is on our earth in him. In him we have obtained an inheritance being predestined, very interesting, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Uh, don't, don't feel bad when you read that passage if you get lost in the words because there are a lot of terms there. And uh, there's a lot of biblical doctrine there. And whenever we move through the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, it's almost like just the definition of terms, it really is. Uh, But the basic premise that he begins with here in verse number three is this premise. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is for all the saints. You know, the word saint, uh, as I mentioned to you last week, is kind of like a word that we're supposed to know what it means. And I guess if you read the Bible, you know what it means. But I don't know if you've noticed lately, there are not a lot of people reading their Bible. There are a lot of Bibles that are around, and still the Bible is the best seller, but it seems like people buy it and put it on their coffee table or stick it in their trunk of their car in the back window, and there it stays. But for those of you who are readers of your Bible, you know that in the Old Testament, the Jews are also called saints. And the word saint is is a word that uh, simply means holy one or God's people, God's set-aside people. Uh, nobody defines this uh, any better, of course, than Jesus himself. When he's praying what we call the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17. Uh, you remember, he says, these people which I've given the word are in the world. That's part of our identity, we're in the world. And for those of you who've worked hard out in the world this, this week, you know you're in the world, Right? Uh, you're in the muck and the mire and the dirt and the filth of the world. You're in the world. Jesus went on in John chapter 17 and verse 14 and he says this. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. And so what we do is we put those two statements together. Uh, they are in the world. And the other statement, they are not of the world. And we have this almost timeless little sentence that the church has used for years, that a Christian is in the world, but not of the world. Let's say that together. In the world, but not of the world. We're right in the middle of it, aren't we? Many of you are sitting here today and you're saying, boy, pastor, you don't know how much in the middle of the world I am. Uh, Every time I go to work, I feel like I'm being dropped down into some pit somewhere in the world. And the interesting thing is the people around you, they, they usually don't love you because you're trying to make a, a stand, you're trying to be different. And Jesus said here in his prayer, he says, uh, the world has hated them. And so if you really take a strong stand for the Lord through the years, uh, you're going to probably be hated somewhere along the line. Maybe, maybe people won't verbalize it to you but you can pick it up through their body language they really don't like you because you don't go along with their program and you're not doing the things that they want to do in the world listen we're in the world but we are not of this world our citizenship is where? it's in heaven right? and uh, most of us are just not too far from getting there already Uh, all of God's spiritual blessings are for everyone uh, this is a wonderful thing because, you know, in my Christian life, I have always, I've always been pretty well intimidated by other Christians. I really have. And you might say, Pastor, I never knew that about you. Well, when you get older in the ministry, you start to get more vulnerable and uh, more revealing. I've been uh, oftentimes intimidated by other Christians, other ministers, other missionaries. And uh, you would look at them and you would say, boy, they're so much better than I am. And boy, they, are, they have such an inside tract on God. I really don't have a, a line to God like they do. But you know, this verse is really so important to me and I wish I could get myself to believing it. That every single blessing that God has in his spiritual storehouse is for me. And every single blessing he has in the storehouse is for you. And your track. To God, is just like my track. I don't have a special way to get there. All of us are on the same track. And it's so neat because, you know, a lot of us, and I put myself in this category, have been intimidated by a lot of people in my Christian experience. There are some kids in our church that are growing up in our youth department, Straight Street, and things like that. They're not intimidated. Uh, They're taking that track that they know God wants for them, and they're doing good, and they're growing in God. The next thing I want to draw to your attention this morning is the fact that we're chosen for him. Verse number four, uh, God chose us. It's interesting, when we come upon these words, I think it kind of throws us a curve because we don't know exactly what it's talking about. Verse number five uses this word predestined or predestinated. And so we put those two together. And what Paul is trying to tell people here is the fact that the Gentiles were also chosen by God not just the Jews and the Gentiles were also predestined by God in God's master plan remember the Apostle Paul was called the Apostle to the Gentiles that was his mission God says listen I want you to go to the Gentile world and here he's talking to the Gentile world in the book of Ephesus and he says listen I just want you to know that you Gentiles were in God's master plan you weren't like an afterthought. And I I think it's often easy for us to think that of the Gentile nations. You know uh, God poured out his blessing on the Jew and I I saw this little cartoon one time. A boy and a girl were talking on the phone together and the girl was trying to get her boyfriend to read the Bible and he started reading it where most people do in the book of Genesis. And so he's, he's trying to grudge through the whole Old Testament and and she says, well, what have you gotten from the, from the Bible? He says, it's all, He said, it's all about the Jews, he said. And it is. It really is. And so, you know, you read the whole Old Testament, it's about the Jews. And, and you think, boy, I'll tell you what, they have a real edge on God. And, and then Jesus came being a Jew, and he came to present himself to the Jewish nation. And we have John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, which says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the authority to be the children of God. And we see that the nation of Israel kind of closed the door on the Messiahship of Jesus. And, uh, and then he kind of uh, tilted his message in the direction of the Gentiles. Almost like uh, an afterthought. But Paul is saying, listen here, Gentiles, pick yourself up. You're not an afterthought with God. God chose you in his master plan Just like he chose the Gentiles, but he chose you for a different time period, the age of grace. And uh, here, look at this in verse 4, before the foundation of the world, that's when God put together his master plan. Now all of us are are well aware of the the tremendous calling that the nation of Israel had. Deuteronomy chapter 7 says this, let's read this together, for you are a holy people, To the Lord your God, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Now, can you imagine the Israelites reading this verse? God chose us to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Uh, can you can imagine how they took that and internalized it and they became so proud because they thought that they were the owners of the blessings of God they thought that God just spoke to their nation only and that he chose, only chose them and so Paul is saying listen I want to tell you Gentiles here that you were in God's master plan too just for a different time uh, God did have a master plan He knew that sin would occur. He knew that the penalty would have to be paid. And he knew himself, he himself would have to pay the penalty. The plan of God in his master plan was to give salvation to everyone who would repent of their sins and trust Jesus to be their savior. And here it goes on further. He says, listen, I chose the Gentiles just like I chose the Jews in my master plan before I laid the foundation of the earth. And uh, I chose them, in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace. I know I think sometimes you get a little weary of this. uh, Because you come to church and we say, hey, listen, we're here to praise the Lord. And uh, you get a little weary of us saying, hey, listen, go out and praise the Lord. Just keep praising the Lord. Uh, That's what the Bible says our purpose is, right here in verse 6. Look at it. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Uh, God has called together the church to be a group of praisers. He really has. Uh, Not only has he called us to do that, uh, but he has also called us to be holy and without blame before him in his eyes. Uh, To be holy. Uh, Ephesians 1, 4. Let's, Let's go back. Let's read this. Long ago, even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and with a fault in his eyes. I'd like for you to remember those last three words, in his eyes. Uh, The word holy simply means uh, to be set apart by God to reflect his nature. Please write that down. Uh, To be set apart by God to reflect his nature. Uh, God chose us and he set us apart right here to reflect the nature of God, uh, uh, to have the world look at you and me and say, hey, listen, I think there is a God. If somebody can, uh, can be like that, that certainly is not natural. That's not, uh, that's, that's not even close to being natural. Uh, God looks at us, uh, and he sees us differently than we see ourselves. You know, when I look in the mirror, and when you look in the mirror, we don't see ourselves as holy and without blame before him, do we? We see all the flaws, and uh, we see all the areas in our life that uh, really need some attention. Another thing that he calls us uh, to be is to be adopted into God's family. Uh, You know, adoption is the term uh, that uh, you and I need to remember uh, as far as us being in the family of God. There's nothing as beautiful as adoption. I was out talking to one of the families of our church this week, and they were telling me that they were meeting with the birth parents of the baby that they were going to adopt, and they had just come back from Ohio, and they sat down with a mother and father in this home, and uh, their plan is to, after the baby is born, to give them the baby and to bring that baby right back here to Finleyburg, uh, to be a part of our, to be a part of our church, and they were so excited. Uh, I was thinking about adoption and. I I remember in the Old Testament that, remember the Mordecai, he adopted his uh, uncle's daughter. Her name was Esther, remember? And uh, he took her in, and she became such an outstanding person, used tremendously of God in the Bible. Uh, You know, whenever we're adopted into God's family, I've heard people say through the years, you know, I feel closer to my church family than I do my biological family. Uh, Because whenever we get together in the church, Uh, We have so many of the things that we have here are in common to each other. We have a commonness. Uh, We have a spiritual identity. We have a spiritual direction. And we come together into the church and we like just feel good being around people that are going in the same spiritual direction. And then when we get out in the world and sometimes even go to our family gatherings, we think, boy, boy, do I, I don't even fit in here. Even though I'm related to people biologically, Uh, We're going in two different directions. We have a new family and we're headed in a different direction. Years ago, a man was searching his family roots and visited several cemeteries, and he read many inscriptions on the tombstones. Uh, There was one tombstone on which was engraved, pause now, stranger, as you pass by. As you are now, so once was I. And as I am now, so soon you will be. Prepare yourself to follow me. Next to the tombstone, someone placed a piece of wood engraved with this note. To follow you, I am not content until I find which way you went. (laughs) You know, when we come into the church, it's so good to know we're all going in the same direction. Can I have an amen? I mean, we're on our way to heaven. We really are. And if we believe the Bible, if we believe the Bible, uh, that's such a comforting thought. It really is. Uh, to know that we're going in the right direction. There are two families in this world. We have to always remember this. There's the family of the devil. There's the family of God. And the only way that a person can be born into the family of God is they must be reborn into the family. They must be born again. They must be born the second time. Uh, God's family lives in two, uh, two different places, by the way. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15 from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Notice the word "their whole family. There is a complete family of God, but it meets in two locations, on earth and in heaven. Now, many of you today have family members who are in heaven, and we're here still left on earth, and it's our job uh, to gather uh, people to come and join this this throng of people that will stand around the throne of God. Uh, we have uh, been redeemed by His blood. Uh, some of you are old enough to remember those years, the, and I remember them vividly when my mother and dad used to come home with green stamps. Do you remember them? How many people remember them? Green stamps. Ooh, man, you got some old people in this group. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, we had more boxes of green stamps. You know, that was like a, that was a rage at the time. Did, did your parents do that, Mike? They, they might have. See, Mike, he's, he's dating me. Uh, green stamps. My mom and dad had so many of those things. They used to save them in shoe boxes. And, they, and, and it was almost like going to Kennywood. You know, Kennywood, they give you all those tickets. You got like 40 million. You go up and you get this little old thing. It's about this big. That's the way the green stamps were. You you save all these green stamps, and you go down to the redemption center, and you say, "Okay, I want that lamp, you know, made in Hong Kong. You know, it won't won't work, but I want it anyway, because I got all these green stamps." But it's one thing. I remember the redemption center. That's what they called them. It's where you where you went to buy something, so that you could get something. And God uses this term to explain our salvation. Uh, Verse number seven: In Him we have redemption. What? Through his what? Blood, the forgiveness of sins. First uh, Peter 1, 18 through 20 is a is a great passage. Let's read this together. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That was the price. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began. But now, in these final days, he has sent to the earth for all to see, and he did this for you. Um, The price. You know, oftentimes I've said to people, you know, salvation is free. Just accept it. And that really throws people for a loop. You know, it really does. Because in our society, you know, religion is supposed to be hard. It's something you're supposed to work for. something you're supposed to uh, somehow present your achievement before the Lord. But let me say to you that salvation uh, is not cheap because Jesus paid the price. And the price was expensive for salvation. It's just free for you because Jesus stepped up and gave his life for our sins. Uh, That puts a different uh, twist to it. Uh, We are delivered, the Bible says we are redeemed, we are bought, purchased, and set free from ourselves, from our sin, and the devil. Um, You know, I think that the devil gets too much credit for the things that go on in our life sometimes. How many times have you said, boy, the devil made me do it? Listen, I don't even think the devil knows where you live, really. Uh, I think the greatest enemy we have is not the devil, it is who? It's the devil in us, right? It's ourselves. You look in the mirror, and uh, the, the Bible seems to imply this in James 1.14. 14. Uh, Everyone is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I'll tell you what, most people never get past that. Uh, we're always wrestling with, uh, with our own self, that sinful nature that we still have, even though we're saved. Uh, but, uh, but the potential of having victory over ourself is tremendous. It really, uh, it really is. Because I think if we could just like, stop the service right now and say, Listen, I, I want you to stand up spontaneously and tell us as a church what you have been delivered from. I think we would be shocked in this church. To know just the people sitting in here, what you have been delivered from, that, that was something that came not from the devil necessarily, but from your own sinful lust. Uh, your habits, your addictions, and things of that nature. Uh, we are delivered from ourselves, from our sin, and from the devil. And we have forgiveness of sin. And forgiveness is a wonderful thing in verse number 7. Uh, there's nothing as great as this, to be forgiven. Ephesians 2, three says we are born with an evil nature and are under God's anger just like everyone else. You know, it's so wonderful that when we can present ourselves before God and not feel like that we have offended him so. How many people have you met uh, in times past who maybe in midlife received Jesus as their Savior and they thought, there's something wrong with me, I'm ill, I'm sick, I'm and all it was was the fact that their sin was piled up on their shoulders for all these years. Can you imagine that? And their burden was so heavy upon them, pushing them down. Uh, forgiveness is a wonderful thing. It means to be set free from God's anger and God's justice. That feels good, doesn't it? Uh, the scripture also says here that in the, in the process of this whole thing, verse number eight, He has made us to abound toward all wisdom and prudence. Uh, The wisdom of the Lord is a wonderful thing. Uh, God is the wise God. He has more wisdom than we have, and so therefore when we pray for wisdom, guess what? He answers us. He has unmatched wisdom. We're like the man who approached God and asked Him, Lord, up in heaven, how much time is a million years? Well, God said a million years is but a second in heaven. Oh, said the man. And up in heaven, how much money is a million dollars? Well, said God, a million dollars is only a penny in heaven. Great, said the man. God, give me one of your pennies. All right, said the Heavenly Father, just wait a second. You know, we can't, it it takes a while, doesn't it? We can't out-wisdom God, can we? Uh, We are tapped into the greatest and most profound source of wisdom, And, you know, I believe that as we follow follow the Lord, that he will give us uh, wise decisions to make decisions. And and decisions are the hinges upon which the door of destiny turns. Uh, You don't have to make too many bad decisions in life to wreck your life. You really don't. Aren't you glad you have the Lord to rely upon to ask him to make the right decisions? And then there is this uh, last thing here in verse number 10. Uh, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all the things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth. There's going to be a, a universal gathering under Christ's authority one of these days. Uh, he's going to bring it all together, uh, just like we always thought he would. Uh, he's going to draw everything together, and you find this in Revelation 21 and Revelation chapter number 22. Um, and then certainly last but not least is we have an inheritance in verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him. You know, in life, uh, some people you know have very little. I had a man one time who was a millionaire. He came to me and said, listen, I can, uh, I can, uh, I can buy anything I want to buy but I just want peace, that's all. I want peace. Well, you know, in life, uh, uh, money doesn't create peace, does it? Sometimes it creates war, just the opposite. And we look around in our world, and most of the Christian people on the planet are poor people, by the way. They really are. Uh, You go into the third world countries, and often they live closer to Christ than we do, and they live in a cardboard box. And they're praying the Lord's Prayer, in reality, give us this day our daily what? And they mean it. They're praying for daily bread. Well, we have an inheritance, and I wish I had time to really go into that with you because because it is so deep. And the inheritance is just not a little bit more than you have right now. It's a whole lot more than you have right now. And I think one of the verses that give us an insight into this is Romans 8:17. The Bible says, "And if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ." Just think of that—a joint heir with Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says, "God at various times and in various ways spoke in times past unto the prophets, unto the fathers by the prophets, but He has in these last days spoken unto His." us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Jesus is the heir of all things in the universe. And the Bible says that we are joint heirs with him. Wow, how about that? That's pretty neat. Well, we are joint heirs with Christ. Uh, Don't worry about not having too much in this world. A man had a heart attack and was rushed to the hospital. Uh, He could uh, receive little company and was not to be excited. While in the hospital, a rich uncle died and left him a million dollars. His family wondered how to break the news to him with the least amount of excitement. It was decided to ask the preacher if he would go and break the news quietly to the man. Well, the preacher went and gradually led up to the question. The preacher asked the patient what he would do if he inherited a million dollars. He said, I think... I would give half of it to the church. The preacher dropped dead. (laughs) He really did. You know, we think a lot about inheritance, don't we? I've had so many people through the years say, boy, pastor, if I win the lottery, the church is really in business. You know that? Don't you feel bad? Some of you were the ones uh, who said that. If I win the lottery, I'll tell you the church is really going to get rich. Or one of these days, I'll tell you I have the church in my in my will, and they just keep living forever. You know, don't tell me that. I'll be looking at you strange each week. You know. Uh, you know, we we think about an inheritance. I used to tell my I used to tell my kids, my sons, uh, when I die, you get my bills. You can divide them three ways and just go your way. You know. But we do have a great inheritance in the, in the Lord, don't we? Uh, you know, in life, we, we scratch, and, and even some people in our church right now, they're struggling, they're having a hard time. Uh, they're hard, having a hard time putting food on the table. And, uh, and some of you sitting here, you can remember back many years ago where you wondered where the next meal was coming from. Uh, and don't be disappointed about that. One of these days, you're going to have so much so much. You are a joint heir with Jesus. You're going to have it really all of it. All of it is yours. Uh, What a blessing of being saved. Amen? Amen. Wow. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed I'd like to invite you to think about these things with me today. let's go out of here thanking God that he included us and uh, let's thank the Lord that he called us to go out and be in the world don't don't uh, don't regret the nasty place you work at God God placed you there to be a light you're in the world but you're not of the world Uh, where would where would those people be if it weren't for you there Would they ever see the light if you weren't there? Listen, thank the Lord right now that we can be in the world, but not of the world. Uh, Our mind is on Christ, even though we're down marching through the dirt of the world. And we're hoping that somewhere along the line, we may pick up somebody, one or two along the way, to walk this journey with us. Let's ask God to enable us to do that as as we work in the world. Dear Lord, as we come to you at the conclusion of this service, we pray that you'll move in our heart. Lord, the blessings of salvation are too much for us right now to comprehend. Uh, Just help us to rejoice in uh, the ones that we know about and the ones that we're experiencing right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song to the Lord.